Getting to be more coach like yourself is one thing. Changing the culture of an entire organization to do this is a whole nother. On this episode, how to move coaching from theory to practice. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 493. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. I know the reason many of you listen to this show is because you do have a desire and a heart to be a better coach. And in addition to that desire and heart that so many of us have, many of us also have that desire and that heart to see more coaching and coach-like culture become a part of our organizations and more people to be able to utilize the tools of good coaching in order to help develop people and to help our organizations perform so well. I'm glad today to welcome someone who's been a leader in this area of helping organizations become more coach-like and has had some wonderful success and is here to share a bit of his wisdom with us and how we as leaders can do a better job at this. I'm glad to welcome Jason Weeman to the show today. Jason works to build meaningful relationships by creating experiences that are inspiring and transformational. He has worked for some of the top brands in the world, including Apple, LinkedIn, and today at Upwork. He is the head of corporate learning and development at Upwork, and one of the key areas of focus for his team and him is building a coaching culture. And we got introduced through our uh, mutual pal, Michael Bungay-Stanier. Jason, I'm so glad to meet you. Oh, so happy to have a chance to talk to you today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And what a great intro. I probably couldn't have written it better myself. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> indeed. Well, I am so interested in what you've been doing at Upwork. And before we get into the today, one thing that really leapt out at me from our first conversation we had offline was you mentioning to me that you came to corporate learning and development in a way that's a little bit non-traditional. And so I was wondering, for those who have not been in the learning and development field or haven't worked with folks in L&D, what is the traditional way and what's been different about your journey? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think that typically those that have kind of followed the educational path have focused around you know, developing skills around learning and certain methodologies, whether that be Addy and, and select others or education that might be focused on learning technology specifically my path just diverted very different from that. You know, I grew up in a family of teachers. And so naturally, you know, having that surrounding me on a day-to-day basis with my mother and my sister kind of drove a passion for me to want to instill opportunities and experiences for others to help think about things in maybe a different way. But I didn't necessarily connect with the traditional sense of what that actually looked like. So I found myself in, in retail at a, at a pretty early age uh, getting a chance to work with different teams and leading teams and really connecting with that as being something that was really important to me and help them identify career paths that were going to be meaningful for them. And it just kind of fell into my lap where when I was working at Apple, I was provided an opportunity to travel out to Cupertino um, once a month and facilitate training. And it just became a natural tendency and something that I really enjoyed to do on a consistent basis, which turned into a role and, you know, helping support our retail stores in a pretty unique way. 
and identified that through that, I was building partnerships and relationships with those that were really experienced in those areas. Okay. So those that had that more traditional experience, whether that was an instructional design or those that really looked at learning outcomes in a way that I, I hadn't because I was just kind of doing it off the cuff. And so I, I felt like a lot of the education that I have now um, and the role that I hold, you know, tends to come from those relationships that I built and what I learned. And so Upwork, moving from, you know, this retail customer facing role into something where, you know, you're developing experiences that are really differentiated based on the needs of your employees has been really exciting for me. Everyone has such a unique journey in their careers. And it is really interesting, I think, when you have started in one part of an organization or an industry and kind of taken the more traditional route and then come into a role like learning and development of having been in both sides of being able to be a bit of the person who can help both of those organizations really learn well from each other. And it's one of the reasons I'm really excited to talk to you and and for us to explore what's worked with Upwork and how you've really been intentional about helping the organization to move forward on creating a coaching culture. And I'm curious how did this emerge? I know you came into Upwork and this was the start of a lot more of intention on building a learning and development team. Where did the conversation begin around coaching? Yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, it began early in the process, actually before I accepted the job, which was was quite interesting. And during the interview process, you know, one of the the points that seemed to be a common theme from anybody that I talked to was like a lot of companies, you know, we have this real challenge with feedback and feedback's a challenge with our employees, not just the quality, but the frequency of it. And so that kind of, you know, started to uptick some of the conversation around coaching because, you know, as I think a lot of us know, feedback can be a great jumping off point to coaching based on our ability to share the things that we observe and we notice about, you know, others, those that we work with, those that work for us. And so that kind of triggered a response based on work that I had done at other companies in the past where it was just really clear and identified that feedback was one piece, but that coaching at an underlying level became something that was really important for us to invest in to be able to pull through anything else that we would wind up doing as it related to learning and development at Upwork. And so they, they coupled together really well based on some of, I think, what we've learned through the course of work that we've done with different leaders. But at the same time, I think where it really came to life was in conversations around in your traditional L&D world, a lot of companies will look at it as almost like an order taking type of arm of the business where this needs to be done. We want to focus on this skill. We want to do this. This is a gap that we've identified across our employee base. But at the foundational level, there isn't the coaching skill to help with the pull through. So you can deliver workshops, you can provide on-demand training to your employees. But if you don't have those that are on the front line, leading those individuals and helping, helping them connect to those behavior changes that you're hoping to see from the learning that you deliver, it makes it really challenging to see the impact that's really possible. And so putting coaching at that foundational level and creating more of a habit around it was something that was a priority for us um, in the beginning. And I think what was so cool about it was it wasn't just something that was being proposed, but there was truly a belief from leadership, frontline, and at the even at the executive level to be able to implement this and participate and really evangelize what it is that we were trying to accomplish. I've seen that same thing you describe of folks in an HR or learning development organization doing more of the order-taking kind of 
mentality of, you know, someone said we need a communication workshop. And so a communication workshop suddenly emerges. When you think about the distinction between that and how your work at Upwork began, what was different in the early conversations and in the early strategy that had you thinking, wow, this is really distinct from that kind of approach? I think the the biggest thing that stood out to me was having a level of support across the business where it wasn't just, you know, when I, when I was interviewing for the role and, you know, looking at the job description and having these conversations, it's really easy to get excited, right? Most companies are trying to sell you and they want you to join. And then you get there and things are just a little bit different. It's like, well, we do have these 12 things that we've kind of prioritized and listed out. And this is where we want you to start working. Um, but in the case of joining Upwork, you know, that was completely opposite for me. The, the ownership was really clear in terms of we brought you in. We, we believe in the approach that you presented to us during this, this process and getting to know you. And we feel really strong about these being kind of the steps in understanding that instead of just jumping straight in, if we can focus on some of these foundational elements that really bring us together as a company, um, because it wasn't just about then this culture of coaching. It was also more so this culture of learning growth mindset, helping people really think about how they focus on, you know, developing capability and knowing that in any organization, if there's a skill that you're going to focus on, the way that we would present it is like, if you're going to do anything, it's going to be focused around coaching. If you can show up and be more curious and coach like in interactions that we're having on a consistent basis, that's going to help with all the other pieces that will wind up coming together. So those 12 things that we have that we know are important. And if one of those is around communication, if we can't coach to, again, the things that we're going to train people on, it makes it that much more difficult to see the pull through and the change in behavior that is so important. So many of us have had the experience you articulated, which is we know a bit about the organization. We read the job description. We come in and we do the interviews and everyone says all the things that they're supposed to say, right? Uh, and then we show up and it is a different story once we begin the role. And that was really not the experience at Upwork for you. And I'm curious for those who are wanting to be real intentional, whether they're in a learning and development role or not, of entering into an organization and becoming an employee somewhere that really does have the intention for doing something like having a strong coaching culture and has that executive support. What, if anything, would you invite people to look for in that initial stages in the interview process that maybe for you was a good indicator that you know this really was a different kind of experience? Yeah, it does start early. I mean, one thing is in the conversations that you're having, even leading up to making that decision, do I find consistency in the themes that are being talked about? You know, and every single person that I sat down and talked about, we had conversations around feedback and coaching. It always started with feedback and then it tended to move in the direction of coaching, probably based on some of the questions that I would wind up asking and, and why they were actually seeing some of these challenges related to feedback. So that was first and foremost, probably the most comforting sign was everybody was on the same page. Um, nobody was asking me the same questions. The questions related to these common themes, but they were specific to the area of the business that the people um, really were owning and responsible for, which was cool. And then second was when, again, that transition to then into the role, that everything that we talked about, the strategy that I proposed as a part of the interview process itself was allowed to become a... I could just take that and start working on it. Like I didn't need to then spend 30 60, 90 days because I had already developed that plan. And day one was the opportunity to start really engaging and working on it. What I also started to find was 
you know, there was there were people raising their hands left and right. It's always a, a positive sign of those that do have a growth mindset that want to be involved, that want to contribute in ways that maybe they haven't had a chance to contribute in the past. And as quickly as you can, grabbing a hold of those individuals, getting them involved in different ways, and starting to deliver against programs that you've talked about as soon as possible, I think starts to cement the fact that it wasn't just like an idea, that it's, you know, it's now a reality and for people to actually see the value as quickly as possible. Um, all those things kind of combined, I think, led to the relationship across the business forming in a much quicker way. And then also the belief that what we were focused on doing and taking the time and being very thoughtful on the approach uh, was something that people would would see value in. We're both students of Michael Bungay Stanier, and one of his favorite sentences is, be lazy, be curious, <laughs> be often. You and I talked about this previously, and you mentioned to me that the being lazy part is something you discovered is really a challenge for a lot of leaders. What is it you discovered that was challenging about being lazy? I think one of the biggest things across working with different leaders at the companies that you mentioned early on is it doesn't matter what level you know we're at, how long we've been leading teams. We've all gotten to this place in our careers for a particular reason. And normally that's because we succeeded as an individual contributor at some point in time. Like we knocked it out of the park. Nobody could do it better than us. We were recognized for um, that contribution. We were part of the succession plan because of that. And so we carry a lot of those habits into what we do throughout our life. We get things done for whatever reason that might be, whatever drives us. And it's hard to let go of. And so what I've found just over time, and this is true at Upwork, it, it was true at the beginning, it's still true now, that a lot of those habits are just difficult for people to break. And the biggest one of being lazy tends to revolve around the fact that, and again, that language is always funny when Michael talks about it and when you talk about it in sessions that we lead, but ultimately our ability to allow others to uncover their potential and to not feel like we need to direct and tell and drive as much as we do, um, because that is this habit that we've had for so long. Um, like a lot of us know, habits are hard to break. So that's probably the most most difficult thing that people have tended to deal with is being okay with letting go and realizing that you're actually helping somebody more by being lazy and not being the rescuer and not coming in to solve all their problems. That doesn't mean that we can't direct and tell and give advice. Those are all important aspects of the relationships that we build with our people, uh, whether those are you know individuals that report to us or those that we work cross-functionally with. But in the end, if we can pause right? We take a second to really just think instead of respond, um, which is the natural reaction that I think we have as human beings in a lot of ways. And we just show up and we're more curious and we ask thoughtful, powerful questions. We're going to help that person more than if we would have just inserted ourselves with our great ideas that we would love to share with everybody. So that's, that's still a place I think that will continue to be. And that's why revisiting and having those conversations on a consistent basis and getting the feedback from from those that are engaged with you are important as a leader to really understand like, am I doing this effectively as I could be, or is there still quite a bit more work that I need to be doing? It makes so much sense. It sounds so good. And yet it is so hard to do in practice. I, mm-hmm. I catch myself still doing it as, as much as I should know better of just yeah. jumping in and giving advice. And I think this is even perhaps more challenging in the kind of organizations you've worked in, Apple, LinkedIn, Upwork, 
where there's a lot of smart people who've had a lot of success in their careers, right? By being a subject matter expert, by being very wise and very talented in so many of these areas. And so as you and your team started to really move into this space of helping grow the culture and think about coaching with intentionality, how did you start to begin to help leaders to make that shift from jumping in and rescuing and solving problems to taking a step back? It's happened several different ways. You know, if I if I go back to my time at LinkedIn, that's probably where I, I dove in at a deeper level with coaching than I ever had. They were looking at doing very similar thing across the sales organization of really creating this coaching culture, understanding that if this is one skill that you would focus on above anything else, that that would have the greatest lasting impact across the organization and, and impact on performance. And in doing so, it was clear that what happens sometimes in, in organizations is we tend to jump so fast to creating this process around it. So what I learned early on was you know, like data-driven coaching is something that you'll probably hear talked about. There are companies that specialize in it. There's a lot of value to it. But what happens is some organizations, because they get so excited about coaching and the frequency to it, and if, especially if you're maybe a data-driven company, you want to track everything related to it, um, which again, can have a lot of value. But what what we tend to miss because we move so fast towards this kind of cool new shiny object, right? Where like this is something I could be really effective at is I miss the foundational skills that are necessary uh, for people to understand at the fundamental level, how I actually need to engage. And am I actually delivering a quality coaching conversation instead of it becoming this checklist item? And so I think that's what I faced at, at each level at, at different companies that I've been at where you have a lot that really do want to focus on the quality of the coaching conversation and how I show up and how I can be, you know, quote unquote, more lazy, like you mentioned, versus those that just want to see it as like, I'm coaching. I have this coaching conversation scheduled with my people. I do it, you know, once a week or twice a month, whatever it might be from a frequency standpoint, and I get it done and my people are now better for it. But on that side of it, they're not necessarily thinking about, are they actually coaching? Um, is it feedback in the end? And that's where a lot of managers tend to get caught up is this, are they really clear on during this one-on-one -on -one conversation, am I coaching for real? Am I just giving feedback or am I just kind of directing, telling and teaching? Or is some of it actually even mentoring? And so it creates a lot of confusion. And so a lot of the work that we've done is trying to strip that away and just simplify it down to when we engage, regardless of the type of interaction that it might be, whether it's formal or informal, that you have an opportunity to show up more curious. And if we're doing that and we're leading with questions and we're genuinely listening to what we're hearing and helping people identify this real challenge and dig deeper into what that might be and what's causing it, then we, we get to the root of what we're really, really trying to work on, what behavior is driving what somebody might be facing as a challenge for themselves instead of, again, I'm just having this feedback conversation and I think it's coaching, but my employee or the, that person that I'm coaching actually sees it as feedback. Um, we're trying to align, align the two a little bit more clearly and help managers see that when they shift into that directing and telling it's not coaching and that's okay because that might be a particular individual that needs that type of direction. Maybe it's a, a new employee or somebody that's new in career and I need to give a little, but that doesn't mean that I have to stop coaching around whatever it is that I actually am sharing with them. Fascinating. And, and I'm conscious that you're not just 
tempting this with one person. This is across the culture of the organization with many leaders. As you've done that and parsing some of those distinctions for people of just checking the box on the checklist versus truly the kind of coaching conversations that you and the organization intend, what has worked in helping the light bulb to go on in those moments for leaders? And I'm also curious, like maybe some of the stumbles you ran into along the way that you found didn't work in helping that to be more apparent. Yeah, I think what, um, well, not what I think, what I know to be true from all of the engagements that we had across the business. So we took all of our managers through coaching habit workshop, which Michael and the Box of Crayons team designed. We had partnered with them. And as a part of bringing this in and setting it as, as the foundation across our company, um, we internally were certified to facilitate it. So we wanted a little bit more of a, a personal connection on the facilitation side so we could speak to what's happening across the business, that people saw that those that were up in front of the room were really engaged and involved and understand understood the culture at Upwork um, and had a little bit more skin in the game, I guess, if you will, uh, once, once we were done working with them and trying to reinforce the behaviors. And so as a, as a facilitator of, of many sessions throughout the course of the first year, I think I probably facilitated 20, 20 plus sessions just around the coaching habit itself because of the design and the way that I like to facilitate and get people really not just thinking about what they, they currently know, because most people, they, they already know everything that you're going to train them around as it relates to coaching. They know what a great coach looks like. They know what behaviors have been effective for them. They know what's worked for them as well. It's about unlocking that. And then truly trying to see like, based on your knowledge of this, can you actually apply this behavior? So I would almost equate this to any other thing that we like to do in our life or hobby. And if I'm somebody that loves to play the game of basketball and I talk about how I should shoot the ball and what my form should look like, that's great. But then if I go into the gym and I start shooting and everything is terrible, am I self-aware enough to make the changes that are necessary to improve? And that's kind of what we started to see unfold through these experiences where everybody has the knowledge. Like they know what great characteristics of a coach look like and how they should be showing up and that yeah, great. I totally should be curious. I should be more lazy more often. But when they would shift into practicing, thinking about these conversations they needed to have and practicing what that actually looked like, they automatically would regress into the feedback piece or directing and telling immediately. And that was that was a light bulb moment for me that went off to say, all right, this isn't just about doing this foundational piece, but how do we create accountability across these cohorts that are going through across you know our all of our managers uh, in that population to continue to challenge each other and now so now that we have this common language how do we leverage that you know on a more consistent basis with with our people and that that really i think started to help identify the fact that you know i'm not alone um, regardless of the role that i'm in and as i mentioned you know we had from our former ceo to our current ceo and our entire executive team go through these experiences together and put themselves out there and demonstrate, you know, really solid performance in some ways. And then we had managers across the board at every level struggle. And that's, that's okay. Like, I think that that's a sign of where we were investing at the time and where we continue to invest because it's not something that just is done. You know, it needs to be reinforced. Uh, but, you know, we've really seen that, I think, bring to life, you know, what's really important about the work that's happening. What did you discover as your team began really leaning in on that behavior change? The, you know, like you said, 
most people have the knowledge, like they know kind of what they intend to do, and yet they don't actually do it in practice. As you started to see some of the leaders not only have the knowledge, but actually start to change their behavior, what did you find that was something they did that resulted in that? Probably more than anything was just like immediate application. And I, th- I don't think you can ask for anything more than that. You know, when you wind up investing in people in that way and you, know, you give them the, this new skill. And, and, and again, most of us have, have been a part of a learning experience, whether we're delivering it or receiving it. And the ability to retain is a very small percentage when you go through sessions like that. And so, you know, in a lot of cases, like the follow-up components to it. So groups getting together on their own proactively, reaching out and asking, I would probably say more than anything else, reaching out and asking questions wanting additional coaching around what they had learned and where they were still continuing to struggle was, was truly a sign of, of those that were invested in wanting to get better. You had employees. So at the same time we were doing coaching workshops, we were doing feedback workshops to all employees, including managers. And so you had employees that were talking about situations with their managers and how it related to coaching and the feedback that they were actually giving around coaching that they weren't receiving. So I think we're just seeing, we are seeing collectively our teams coming together, whether you were a leader or not, representing this common language. And because they also had the knowledge that managers were going through this type of experience, it created a little a level of accountability that I think is really important. And because our culture is, is open to the fact that we can be transparent, we can share, and now we've spent time improving our employees' capability around providing feedback. If they weren't getting what they needed, they have more confidence in, in going and, and talking about those things. So maybe their manager wasn't as lazy as they needed to be, and they were micromanaging and directing and telling all the time. Um, that feedback could happen you know, to that particular leader. So it's kind of an assortment of different things. I wouldn't say it was like one particular thing. The benefit of combining feedback and coaching and you know, just across the board, creating this common language more than anything else was what tended to help because it it took you know, took down the guard that people tend to throw up when, when feedback conversations tend to happen and knowing that typically coaching comes to follow because there's curiosity around why somebody's behavior might be a particular way. So that was, that was probably the most interesting piece. I'm thinking about what you said a, a while ago, going back to one of the first things we mentioned of the traditional learning and development programs, a lot of organizations, you know, there may be a, okay, we're all going to do a delegation workshop. And it may be very relevant to a few people in the room, but for the next person, for the, you know, one of the people, it may be, you know, I don't need this for another three months and someone else needed it nine months ago, right? And so that application piece becomes really hard of actually putting it into practice immediately and learning as you go. And you all just really did that in a, in a really... I'm sure it didn't seem seamless at the time, but it seems like you know folks really were willing to jump in on that. And I think as I'm thinking about what you've told me, a lot of that is just because the executive leadership team participated and both the former and current CEO were involved in this and struggling with it as well and in the classes and doing the work. And it almost makes it okay then to try it and apply it and to to struggle with it versus just taking a class and then, you know, moving on to the next thing, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean it created, it was interesting because I mean, all these, these sessions that we would leave were cross-functional in nature. And so we had members from engineering and marketing and sales, and then you had executive team members, right? So different levels, you had, you know, brand new managers 
some actually that were aspiring managers to, you know, VP level and, and on up. And I think in and of itself, you know, I, what an interesting story that kind of came out of it at, at the time when we were running this and our former CEO was a part of a group. And then our head of engineering was in that same group and our head of recruiting. And then you had a mix of kind of early in career. This was a feedback workshop, but this kind of paints the picture around how this also translated into coaching was I had four separate people as a part of that group reach out and, and cancel attending the next day. And so I kept reaching out to them individually, trying to understand like, why are you not wanting to attend? It seemed like you're really interested. And they responded, well, it seems like I'm not, I'm not a part of the right group. When I looked at the list of those that were actually attending your session, it seems like it's just for this particular level. And you know, so many people are programmed to the fact, depending on the companies and how you look at rank across an organization that you know, they only should kind of play in their house. And that's not the case at Upwork. I, I think to your point, that signified the fact that we, we needed to create more experiences like this, where it didn't matter what level, it didn't matter how long you've been at Upwork, it didn't matter what organization you came from. We're all, we all kind of care about this in the exact same way. It might be applied differently to pay based on the role that you're in or your level of responsibility, but we all have an opportunity to work together to not just, you know, identify with this new way of approaching each other and building relationships and giving feedback and, and coaching around behaviors. But ultimately, that's what's going to lead us to being more successful around it is because now, you know, we're so open, you know, to this. And I see that people at different levels are struggling the same way that I am and I don't feel different. You know, I feel like this is something that is okay and helps me also work through it and develop the confidence that I need to be successful. So yeah, that was, that was an interesting experience. And in the end, they all showed up once they found out. And that was the conversation that we had afterwards was how amazing it was to be open enough as a leadership team at different levels to be involved and be vulnerable, right? To talk about things, even though you might be looked at based on your position, to have all this skill and you can do nothing wrong in this other person's eyes to, oh, okay, like you actually are vulnerable and sharing that you're challenged with the same things that I'm challenged with, but yet you have a lot of more ex of experience around it that you can lend to me in the way that we work together. And so I, I think some of it was just how we structured the delivery and the follow-up on these sessions. Thinking about that and my work in the training business over the years, and there were so many times that I'd show up with an organization doing work. And on the occasion when someone would be in the class that was outside of the whatever perceived norm for that population for the class would be, you know, it was a class for managers and individual contributors and a director would decide to take the class. And, and that person would inevitably get questions like, well, why are you here? <laughs> because don't yeah. you already have this figured out? And it's interesting how much we do segment and sometimes it's very intentional it's, and it's important to segment different learning experiences, but there isn't often the case where employees and leaders at every level really do get together and learn together. And that clearly has happened here. And so one of the things that I'm curious about is thinking about that. There are, of course, leaders in our audience and some of them who are an executive teams who have been either charged with building more of a coaching culture or they have themselves decided that this is something that the organization really needs to move on in order for us to do better. For the person who is a leader in an organization and they don't have the kind of culture and support that you have at Upwork, where would you invite people to start? The easiest place to invite people to start is demonstrating the behavior. If you're somebody that truly is invested in creating any kind of culture, 
a culture is something that we feel and we see and is kind of manifested through values, whether it's that's of an organization or if that's your individual values. And so if coaching, if, you know, helping others develop and really challenging them to uncover their potential is something that's really important to you, then showing up and demonstrating that on a consistent basis is probably the, the place to start. And if you don't know how to start, you know, that's where you look into resources like maybe podcasts like this and subject matter experts that you've had on before myself that really lean into providing insight around the skills that are important. We obviously had ideas around developing our own own programs. And, you know, there are companies that do that and they do it really well. But when you find something that sometimes off the shelf, like we did with the coaching habit, you know, don't shy away from that. You know, think about what's going to be easier for you in the end, because sometimes we create so much work around something that it does make it harder for it to become a reality. Whereas if people are bought in around this, this idea and the fact that we need to show up and be more curious in our interactions, and it actually is going to help somebody develop the skills and the behaviors necessary to grow their career and to be successful in what they're currently doing, then go with that. You know, don't overanalyze, don't overthink it. I think that's what tends to be the challenge with coaching overall is people overthink what coaching actually is. And they think you need to be an expert. They think that you have to have all these coaching certifications. And while that helps and it's incredibly valuable and there's so many talented coaches out there doing that work on a daily basis, changing people's lives, we can still be effective and more coach-like. We're not telling you to be a coach. We just want you to be more coach-like in the inter interactions that you're having. And in doing that, you start to set the expectation across the business because once one person starts to do it, and especially if it's happening at senior leadership levels and the conversation is consistent, there really isn't too much of a choice that others have to not be involved because they will very quickly see the value to it, uh, not just the value to that particular individual, but over time, the more managers, the more leaders that we have engaging in that particular way are going to have an impact on the results. Like it's, it's proven, there's all kinds of data points around that out there. I invite people to, to go and research and, and find that and how it resonates for your particular company. But that's where I would, I would definitely start. Like just get going, start being more curious. So much of leadership comes down to us beginning with ourselves first, doesn't it? And that consistency, like you say, if we do that, that often is going to take us in some wonderful places. Jason, this has been so helpful. And before I let you go, I'm just curious, since you started at Upwork and you have led a team that's helped put together strategy and, and heart around this and helping the organization to become more mindful, I'm curious, what have you changed your mind on in these last couple of years? It's a great question. Probably the biggest thing that I've changed my mind on has been like I've been successful in a particular role on my own. And so I go and execute, right? And so I get into this execution phase and not necessarily like this feeling that I don't need to have this true collaboration across different teams to help bring it to life. But I think that's probably the thing that stood out to me the most is how important that's been since I've joined Upwork. The power behind the support that we can get from from different teams and, and those individuals that are so skilled at the work that they do really help, I think, cement the learning and also the reinforcement around, you know, what we're trying to change from a behavior standpoint and why it's why it's so important. And that's what's really exciting about what we're doing right now. Jason Weeman, head of corporate learning and development at Upwork. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
If this conversation was useful to you, several other episodes that you'll also find helpful, both around coaching and around organizational culture, I'd recommend, first of all, episode 237, These Coaching Questions Get Results, with Michael Bungay-Stanier. Michael has been on the show several times over the years, talking many times about the coaching habit and that important book that so many of us have utilized in order to ask better coaching questions and, of course, to become more coach-like, not only for ourselves, but within our organizations. Uh, We talked about uh, some of that today. In fact, I was just talking with an applicant to our academy earlier today who has uh, utilized the coaching habit, has their entire executive team uh, reading it in order for all of them to ask better coaching questions and to become more coach-like. If you're looking for a great starting point to do that yourself or for your organization, episode 237 is a wonderful place to start. I'd also recommend, speaking of culture, episode 301, How to Get the Ideal Team Player. My guest on that episode was Patrick Lencioni. Patrick is, of course, the best-selling author of many books on leadership and helping organizations lead more effectively. And he talked about his book, The Ideal Team Player, on that episode. And of course, a big part of culture is bringing in the right people into the organization. He talked about the three key principles he's looking for, and he recommends to leaders in many organizations to be able to look for, plus how to hire well and interview well in order to look for those principles. Episode 301 is a great starting point for that. And then finally, I recommend episode 350, How to Create an Unstoppable Culture with Ginger Hardage. Ginger is the former Senior Vice President of Culture at Southwest Airlines. She's been on the show a couple of times before. In that conversation, we talked about what Southwest did over the last several decades to build a culture that is really unstoppable, that has been written about and studied so many times, and many of us have experienced when flying Southwest, the wonderful corporate culture that is legendary. In uh, episode 350, Ginger talks in detail about what they did as an organization and continue to do to support a wonderful culture in their team and, of course, to serve customers well. All of those episodes you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website. If you will set up your free membership at coachingforleaders.com, that will allow you to search the entire library by topic. The topics that this episode is going to be filed under include organizational culture and coaching skills, many other conversations over the years we've had on both topics. You can find all of them on the website. Plus, you'll get access to my weekly leadership guide every Wednesday with the resources I think will be helpful to you, plus the notes from every episode, my own personal library, the member cast, and all of the free audio courses that are available on the website. You can access the entire catalog just by going over to coachingforleaders.com. Just takes a few seconds and you'll be off and running inside the free membership. Next week, it's the first Monday of the month. I'll be joined by Bonnie again to tackle questions from you. If you have a question for us to consider for this episode coming or the first Monday of every month for our question and answer shows, coachingforleaders.com slash feedback is where to go. Have a great week and see you next Monday. Take care.